Hello, my name is Hudson Bazat, and for the first time ever, this is no longer the Work in Progress podcast. This is Podcast University. So here you can come to learn, be educated about what people do and what they're good at, what they know a lot about, things that I know nothing about but I want to learn about. So I think this would be a great opportunity for people to learn from a wide variety of people from different backgrounds and different histories who, you know, know what they're talking about. So uh, yes, this is video. I'm learning. I'm figuring things out. Uh, it's definitely going to be rough. This first interview, uh, doing this this way, I didn't quite know how to record with Zoom, and uh, so it's not the best quality in the world, but it works. You can see our faces, because this week I am interviewing Nikki Lerner, who is a culture coach. Uh, she's a podcaster. She's a musician. She's a speaker. She's done all sorts of stuff in her life, and it's pretty incredible, and so I had her on to talk about today some of the roles of different people in the world when it comes to, you know, racial discrimination and just discrimination against anyone in general. I think this is a really good conversation and I think that everyone should listen to this because she brings some really incredible perspective, especially for, as a Christian, you know, it's difficult to find good, accurate theological perspective on this and she brings incredible perspective. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Please share it with as many people as you can. And uh, yeah, uh, let's get to it. It's pretty incredible. And uh, uh, yeah, I really like this conversation. Let's get to it. I'm going to get my audio started here. There we go. Awesome. Thing a little bit here. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your day, out of your busy schedule to, to meet with me and um, answer some questions that I have. Sure. I think it'd be awesome to, you know, talk about some of these issues. It's very important. Uh, so I guess we should just dive right in if you're cool Got with it. that. Do uh, it. Starting with the first question, I, I believe I said questions one, four, and five are the ones I was going to yeah. focus on. The first question that I have is, what do you believe the role of the church as a body, not as an institution, is in the issues we face to get today regarding racism or cultural discrimination? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, I believe that the role of the body is to embody the characters of Christ. Mm. Uh, period. Uh, I mean, whatever that means with regards to uh, whatever issues we face in the course of our life journey, um, our mission as people who know Jesus always remains the same. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how we embody that mission changes from generation to generation, right? That's actually what I love about the gospel and I love about the mission is that the mission's always the same, but like my generation of people and your generation of, of people Hudson, like we get to do it like two different ways, mm -hmm. which is really great. And I actually think that's really good. So our always, um, if we are looking for those of us who follow God, if we are looking for marching orders, mm -hmm. if we are looking for a way or a how to engage in the issues of our time, uh, we need to look to uh, Galatians 5 and the fruit of the spirit, right? Uh, at the end of that passage of the fruit of the spirit says that against these things, there is no law. Mm. But whenever we are leaning into love and joy and peace and kindness, and goodness, uh, those things, we can be sure that we are aligned mm -hmm. with the heart of Jesus. I love that. And talking about gospel, if we spend time in the actual gospels mm -hmm. of our scriptures, Jesus has already set the model for us on how to engage with our culture 
in every single generation. Mm. And we can look to uh, how he dealt with things and know that if we try to try even in the smallest amount to be connected to that model uh, where Jesus always saw people in their suffering, he saw people on the margins, he, he met the needs when he could of people that he was engaged with, we can always be sure as God's people that we are doing what he's asked us to do. So mm-hmm. that is the role of the yeah. body in every single generation and particularly in uh, our one of one of our biggest divides right now uh, when we're trying to understand one another culturally. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's a, that's a perfect answer to the question. It makes total sense. It totally, I love how you said, you know, the, the role of the body is to embody Christ because we are the body of Christ, yeah. you know, so that, that I, I love that. So um, just going a little bit further into that, what do you think that looks like for, uh, let's say, my generation? Because I'm guessing that you're probably like millennial or Gen X. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere I think I'm in between generations. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah that yeah. kind of gray area. But what would you say it might look like for um, for me or, or my generation, the, the kind of the Gen Z, yeah. um, to embody Christ in kind of our modern world today? Because I mean, it looks very different. Like you said, it's different with every generation, you know, to embody Christ. How would you say that looks for, you know, say my generation? Yeah, that, that's so cool. So uh, let me just out myself here. Um, so I just turned 44 this okay. year. And how old are you, Hudson? I'm 17. 17. Great. So let me just tell you, first of all, 40s are where it's at, man. Uh, <laughs> when I was 17, I was thinking, holy crap, like 40s. You know, let me just tell you, there there is a a centeredness and a focus mm-hmm. that happens uh, as you get older. You will find this uh, that I remember I did not have when I was 17. However, this is the beauty of multi-generational work, mm-hmm. right? That is in itself multicultural, okay? Mm. So for, let me talk about what I know. So for my generation of people and around that generation, we are at a space where, you know, we remember what it was like to not like the systems that were given to us, mm-hmm. right? We, we remember what that was like. We remember saying we want to do something else. We don't want to do what was just handed right over. And so for us uh, in my generation, we have that kind of a perspective, right? That, that is necessary right now in 2020. Well, for those of you in your generation, 17, I'd say between like 17, 25, like mm-hmm. that kind of space. Oh, what a brilliant time to be alive uh, in that generation. Because what your generation brings is uh, a hope mm-hmm. and a fire. And what you all have that my generation did not have when we were your age, is that we didn't have the access to technology like you Mm -hmm. guys have. And so there's almost like this built-in tool that your generation has now that goes along with Mm -hmm. all of these beautiful, um, all of these beautiful things that come along with being in your generation. The thing that I would say this, you need to hear this from somebody who's in their 40s, by the way. Okay. I don't know what kind of what kind of church you go to or what kind of environment you're in or your listeners are in. But um your generation needs to reject at all costs 
things that older people say about you mm -hmm. uh, that do not empower you or lead you towards more good deeds and more good works. Um, you know, every generation, even people who are older than me, right, have something to say about people in their 40s. Okay, so every generation that's older has something to say about the younger generation, right? Mm -hmm. And what I would say is that the thing I love about the scriptures and about following God is that, you know, when God uh, calls us to do something, right, or he, when he says things like, um, uh, you know, take up your, your cross every day, right? When he says that, when he says, you know, it basically embody the fruits of the spirit, you know, it doesn't accompany that. It, he doesn't say, take up your cross daily once you turn 50, <laughs> you know, like there's no age limit right. on effectiveness. It's so true. I want to say that again for your listeners and even for <laughs> you today, Hudson, there, there's no age limit on effectiveness mm. in the kingdom. So you being 17, me being 44, and maybe a sibling or a cousin you have that's like eight, right? We all have access mm -hmm. to the same level of impact. We all have access to the same level of power from the spirit. Mm. And so for your generation, just know that, that you guys need to step into all of the good things that you see, all of the things that are of Jesus. Your generation has the opportunity to step into it now. You don't have to wait for permission. Mm -hmm. All right. You don't have to wait for permission to step into what God has called you to right now. You don't have to wait until you're 25, 35, 45 to have ridiculous amounts of impact mm -hmm. uh, and influence. And that I actually think that's, that's a huge opportunity uh, that your generation has right now um, in order to step into it. There's no age limit on effectiveness. Oh, amen. I love that. There's no age limit on effectiveness. And, and really it's true. Like you were saying with, with all the resources that we have today with technology, with social media, with all of this, we have just kind of this amazing, I mean, some people call it like a, an overload of information and it can be an overload of information, but we have access to all of this information that allow us to kind of embody Christ by kind of being compassionate and, and listening to people and seeing where they're at and meeting them where they're at and helping them and being Christ to people. It just makes it so much easier because we can gain this greater perspective at a younger, younger age. I mean, from any age, really, we have access to all of this information that allows us to continue to embody Christ on a greater level. Let, let me say this, Hudson, uh, while you have, while your generation has all, all of this uh, opportunity, I would also tell you just to heed a warning. Okay. And that is because there's so much information, right? Online, uh, because, you know, you and I could, could make a decision today to learn a new skill and go on YouTube and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, right. I mean, that, that's what a, again, what a brilliant time to be alive, mm -hmm. right? But we could go figure it out. The, the, the challenge with that is that um, we are probably not only, particularly your generation, but mine as well, mm -hmm. we are more prone to go looking for something and copy it mm -hmm. instead of recreate something, mm -hmm. right? So, um, 
you know, even like in, in worship circles, right? We are more prone to go and go find five great worship songs right. and say, how can we copy them this Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Rather than saying, hey, I'm inspired by those songs. How about we write new five, five new songs for this week? Right. See, the, there's, there's a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when we were together in our last uh, training, I think I may have said, you know, we're in this time and space where we need to be careful that we're not stealing other people's identity. Oh, that's so true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly as people in the church, because historically uh, what the church has done is uh, there's a, this is kind of a running joke about the church always being 10 years behind every, mm-hmm. you know, everything else. Well, the reason why is because so many leaders sit and wait around to see what's going to work. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they find out that it's going to work and there's no issues, there's no, no, you know, the, the level of failure is less, then we're like, great, we'll do that now. Right. And I actually think we are living below what God has called us mm. to do. Um, we need to be creators because when we are creating something new, when we are creating a new path, we're creating a new way to engage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cross-culturally when your generation, my generation, we were all creating something new, we are actually being more like God than ever because mm-hmm. God is our creator. Right. right. So we can be confident again, that when we are leaning into uh, creation of whatever that is, created a new way, a new thought, a new book, a new, whatever, mm-hmm. that we are being very much like the God that we serve. It's mm. so true. And, and I think, um, I think it was Kanye West that said this recently that, you know, it used to be that the world imitated Christians, you know, a Christian artist, Christian musicians, if they made music or if they, or they were creating a new, you know, painting style or whatever, the world would imitate that. And now Christians imitate the world. Yes. You know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it, you know, and we're supposed to be the ones innovating and creating, but we're not, we're just falling. Like, you know, you'll see like, a certain musician get popular in the secular sphere and then all the Christian artists shift in that direction and start kind of replicating that style or that sound and trying to get that. And they kind of get like this, uh, what would be the word? Like just kind of, it's not as good because you know, that artist was gifted with a certain skill set and a certain ability to reach a certain sound that is unique to them. And it is not, our job as Christians to copy that, you know, we're supposed to do that ourselves and create our own sound and create our own, you know, build on our own skill set to, you know, express God through our art. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, think about Kanye for a minute. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's just dissect this. (laughs) Okay. So why are so many, why are so many Christian people upset when Kanye started making gospel music? Right. Right. I think it's because he had a better idea and mm-hmm. he beat us to it. Yep. That's why. That's that's why people are upset about it, right? That's why mm-hmm. people everybody has something to say about it because it's like, hey, look, somebody outside of our little, you know, <laughs> who we think are Jesus followers, right? Somebody else created something cool mm-hmm. that was cool to our culture and that was engaging in a new way mm-hmm. to connect to God. It's so true. And because the church didn't come up with it, the church is who's <laughs> mad about it. Right. When, you know, the same creative opportunity 
was available to people in the church the mm -hmm. whole time. But you know what the church was doing instead? I'll tell you. The church instead were saying, you know what? Choirs aren't cool anymore. Mm -hmm. Choirs are now awesome. You, oh, let me, dude, <laughs> choirs are where it's at, okay? It is. Let me tell you. So when I started, um, when I was, the first year that I was a worship pastor at my church, mm -hmm. um, I remember I had a, I was uh, given a choir of about 20 people, mm -hmm. okay? And they were, mm, okay, they, they were so-so. But anyway, I started, because I hadn't led a ministry before, it's the first time I'd ever led a ministry, I started calling some of my friends who were worship leaders and worship pastors who had been doing it longer than I had, mm -hmm. right? So I, I would talk to people, and, and some of these people, I could name their names, and you'd be like, oh, you talked to that person? Like, <laughs> kinds of people, right? And I was like, so um, I got this choir. What do I do with this choir? And I kid you not, people would tell me, leaders in the church would say, oh, you need to get rid of them. What? And I was like, well, why? They've been, like, they've been the choir forever, right? And here is the reasoning. Well, because at, at that point, it was like, Chris Tomlin is not writing for choirs. Uh, you know, Matt Redman, is not write, writing for choirs. Mm -hmm. You know, and they start naming all of these industry people mm -hmm. who, you know, when you listen to the radio, of course you didn't hear a hundred voice choir. Right. And so what would happen is leaders in the church start taking cues from other people in the industry mm -hmm. and literally like just telling like scores of people in their churches that they had to stop singing in the worship ministry because Chris Tomlin wasn't writing for choirs. Oh my gosh. Right? Instead of saying, but we have a choir, mm -hmm. so let's write for them. Right. Right. So now fast forward, suddenly Kanye West has this great idea <laughs> for choirs. And now everybody's going to be like, you know, we need to bring back Choirs. Back choir. You yeah. Know, this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, we we're we're better than this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're better than this, and particularly as creatives in churches, we need to find our permission again. I mean, my goodness, uh, if we could just create something new, something fresh, something that was authentic and native. Like, I love that word these days. Something native to our local congregation which is essentially what, you know, Hillsong and Elevation and all, you know, name your sexy worship leaders, whatever, <laughs> you know, like it's essentially what they've done. They, right. they started writing their own songs as churches and started sharing them. And now we're looking at them and basically saying, feed us, feed us, feed us. We right. need new songs, we need new songs. And that's not fair and it's not native. So, I think as church people, we just got to get real. We got to get real and start telling the truth about our creative process or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. um, also, cross-generationally, we uh, the church needs to stop judging one another. Um, the church needs to stop its language, its divisive language around the role of younger people in the church uh, and vice versa. The church also needs to stop telling people particularly who are 60 and above that there's no place for them anymore because mm -hmm. they're, I mean, they're going to die literally if they're not involved, there's still people too. And we need each other, right? Like nobody wants a church full of just 17 year olds. 
That would be boring. Oh, totally. It would be boring. You'd have no perspective. Right. And nobody wants a church full of 70-year-olds because there'd be no energy in the room. You know, I mean, we need each other so badly. Um, and that's why we need to hold tightly to our mission of embodying the character of Christ. Hmm. I love it. Well, I'm going to move on to the next question. Sure. Because we could keep talking about that, like literally all that, like for hours. <laughs> but but I, have, <laughs> I have at least one or two other questions I want to get to. Sure. Uh, because I, I really, I found some, um, what would be the term, vocabulary, I guess, uh, that you used during the dive course, kind of interesting, because it's unique, and it's not something you hear very often. I mean, you kind of, oh, what I've been seeing a lot is, oh, okay, well, if you're white, you have to be a, to apologize for being white, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, kind of interesting. And I'm sure that everyone is guilty of a little bit of racism or discrimination, you know, yep. just by the nature of how they're raised and by the nature of just how divisive people are in general. Um, but I thought it was interesting because you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong. I could just be misremembering. You said that since most of us in the class were white, mm -hmm. um, that we should see it as a gift and an intentional choice from God. And I wanted you to kind of expand on that a little bit. Yes. Um, because I think that's really interesting. It's not language you hear very often. People are like, oh, well, you're white, so you suck. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, okay, well, right. now, now you're saying that, okay, it's a gift. And I, and I want you to expand on that maybe a little bit. Yeah, I love that you remember that. Mm -hmm. that. That makes me smile because it's exactly what I said. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's what's true. Um, the, the reality is, is that for all of us, no matter what people group we come from, no matter what our skin tone, our cultural come from, whatever it is, it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how, like we, in church, we love to quote Psalm 139, right? About how, you know, we were designed by God and woven together in our mother's womb and, and all this stuff. But we treat the, the, the people group or the skin color that we're in, the ethnicity we are, like, you know, God had his fingers and he's weaving us together and then it came to culture and race. And he's like, nope, nope, we're just, we're just, whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Like, no. No. So, so every way that we are designed, no matter what our ethnicity, we need to celebrate it as a gift. And I realize that in our current climate and the way that people are having conversations around culture as it relates to ethnicity, that, um, it's very easy um, to just say, well, you know, essentially if you're part of the white population, you're just part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, for, for you and those of your listeners that are white American, trying to find your place, right? Because you can't do right. anything about the fact that you're white. Mm -hmm. Can't, but can't change this, yeah. Right, like you shouldn't, because right. you are mm -hmm. exactly how God made you. Mm -hmm. And that is the opportunity we have as Christ followers is, mm -hmm. you know, we need to look at everything we've been given, right? The fact that you're white American, the fact that I'm black American, that my skin is brown, yours is white. It's all on purpose so that you and I and everybody around us can do the work that God has asked us to do, mm. right? Like for me, uh, you know, being, uh, a brown person in the country, right? And doing culture work, I know that God uses how I look mm -hmm. and my message to get the work done. Mm 
right? right. I'm called to do. And he'll do the same for you. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to put your finger on it all the time. <laughs> and also it's probably a little more difficult when you're part of the majority culture, which is white American, because this is very important to know, anytime any of us are part of a majority of anything, uh, we lose perspective on how cultural how we live is. So what that means is for a lot of white American people, first of all, most white American people don't realize they're an ethnicity, mm -hmm. right? That's like, true. Most people don't see themselves as an ethnic group, mm -hmm. but like you're we an are. ethnic person, right. person, right? Like you're an ethnic person. And so that means that you come from a people group. It's just that your people group tend to, this is a generalization, tend to see the world a bit more individualistically and less collectively, right? Other, uh, other cultures in America see things a bit more collectively. They feel it collectively. But if the majority, if white Americans can see themselves as a people group, the conversations start to change, mm -hmm. right? Because then you can see some of the decisions you make or how things are set up or that kind of thing. As, and we can call it cultural, not just, quote, normal, mm. right? Yeah. So that's why, at least as Christ followers, it's so important for all of us to embrace how we have been created. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you or other people who are white American don't embrace that God made you this way, you will never share it mm -hmm. with the diverse people around you because you'll always be ashamed of it. You'll always feel guilty. You'll always try to downplay it. And I don't think that's how Jesus meant for us to be in community with one another. Yeah, I mean, and like you were saying, kind of we're all part of, you know, one body and we're all we're all part of the image of Christ. And it's kind of how I, I, I like to think of, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman and marriage is that, yeah. you know, separately and kind of this is kind of but my approach to you know issues of kind of maybe people feel about sexism and stuff like that is that we're both equal representations of god yes. but we just represent different parts of god yep and no you know men can't do the same things that women can do and women can't do the same things that men can do and it's just that's but by uniting together in say marriage you can get a greater picture of god and the more complete picture of god and and therefore have a greater relationship with God because you can kind of understand him better and you can know him better by having that relationship with say a man or a woman. And so I feel like it can be the same thing. That's kind of the connection I was making in my head when you're talking about how like, you know, people of different cultures and different ethnic groups, when they're brought together, you have a more complete picture of God. Absolutely. So, so think about that. You know, if we are, if, if we continue to be okay, if your generation continues to be okay with ethnically segregated churches, mm -hmm. think about how much we miss. Right. Right. Think about the, the elements and the character of God and the Holy Spirit uh, that we miss mm -hmm. just because there are parts of the body that are missing. And deeper places we could be going with our relationship with, our God, with God, you know, independently. Just, mm -hmm. Awesome. If you have time for one more question. I, I do. Can... Okay. Awesome. Uh, let's see. And then 
Um, I think that question is kind of related to something you already answered. Might have already answered it a little bit, uh, but I'll ask it anyway. And if you're like, oh, I already answered that earlier, <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> but uh, what is the role of majority slash dominant cultures in dealing with the aforementioned issues of race mm-hmm. and cultural integration? So as, you know, like a dominant culture, as you're saying, you know, we're an ethnic group, but we're the majority. So what is our role in dealing with those issues? You know, kind of, I think partially, like you said, representing, re- recognizing that it's a gift from God, you know, and, but what would you say specifically is our, is our role in dealing with that out, outside of that? Yeah, that's good. So we get really micro here. Okay. And super practical, uh, super pra- 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 practical about this. So right. First is just, and this is for all people, mm-hmm. right. Is just to recognize the gift that your culture is. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. The second thing is when you are part of the majority culture in particular, um, one of the best ways to serve people who are in the non-majority, okay? And that that spans a lot of different kinds of people groups, right? Is to uh, stay curious about the stories of others. Mm -hmm. Um, Stay uh, honoring in your language around the experiences of others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, I would say, believe what people, people that are, people that are different than you, believe them when they tell you about their stories of some of their struggle that is related to culture mm-hmm. and ethnicity. Um, because I, I have found as I'm working with people and churches and organizations that this is some of the most painful things that are happening right now, particularly in our churches. Like when we use language, uh, like even if, if, if a mostly white American church who may have a sprinkling of other kinds of people in it, right? Use, use verbiage like family, community people take those words Mm -hmm. and they're weighty and so then when they want to bring the hard part of their lives into the church family or bring it to friends and sisters and brothers right Mm -hmm. in body essentially what's happening is people are telling them that they're lying Mm. And that is painful. Or churches are telling people, um, you know, don't bring that here. Right. That belongs outside of the church. But can you imagine if we would tell people that with uh, discipleship or spiritual development? Can mm-hmm. you imagine, like, if you had an anxiety disorder and I was your pastor and you wanted to come to me and say, hey, um, uh, you know, I have this anxiety issue and I looked at you and said, hey, um, you deal with that on your own. Don't bring that up here in the church. That's what's happening. Right. Uh, and it's painful. And so as part of the majority culture, those are the best things that you can do. Listen to people's story, stay curious, make honoring language, mm-hmm. um, and just believe people. Just yeah. because something hasn't been your experience doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. Um, and the more open we can stay, with one another and the more honoring we can stay with one another, we lean into mm-hmm. uh, the character of Christ, 
the fruits of the spirit and back into our core mission mm. as the body of believers. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they, they, they kind of do it, but they kind of do it with the cop out almost like they'll be like, Oh, look, I listened to this black person, but it like, they totally yeah. like side with their perspective. Like they right. kind of do it with easy, you know, with some confirmation bias. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're supposed to open yourself. You know, obviously listen to them, still listen to them. Don't shut them off just because they agree with you, but listen to people with, you know, a variety of experiences and all types of experiences. Like I have a friend and I, I was like, you know what? I really want to understand more about this. So I sat down and had a conversation with her and I was like, okay, what is this like for you in your life? And I learned a lot and it was like, okay, that is something that I didn't think of, but that's also something that was like, okay, that's really interesting to think about. You know, I'm not going to get into it because it was a private conversation, but I was just like, I need to get, gain some perspective. And so I talked to her and I've talked to a couple other people and I've just, you know, and even like looking at people online, you know, maybe yeah. uh, looking at some of your stuff and looking at you know, people from you know, different political backgrounds, even because that's going to influence what they say and how they and how they present their experiences. Yeah. So, yeah, just here's the thing, Hudson, this is critical for us to remember is, you know, if if as Jesus followers, we are not willing to do these things. Right. Then we need to scrap all of our missions programs all of them. Like, I mean, would you, can you imagine going to a church and being like, um, we shouldn't have any missions program, but here's the thing. We need to be missionaries in our own country first. Like, I don't want to hear about a story of Christian people being shipped off to Guatemala somewhere to do work in Guatemala or Africa right. or someplace and then come back home and not do mission work at home first. If we can't listen to one another within the body of Christ, if we can't be curious, humble, learn the language, learn the story, learn the history of one another in our country, we got no business doing mission work anywhere else. I'm just right. saying, let's, let's do it at home first. It's exactly right? true. Let's do it here because we are not citizens of America. We are citizens of heaven, right. according to the Bible. So even in our own country, we need to live like missionaries mm-hmm. to the people that we are trying to reach. And we need not forget that. And, and like, for example, you know, a great example of that I think is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Royal Family Kids Camp. Um, so they are basically, they're a, a national organization that puts on camps every single year for foster kids. Mm. And it's, it's basically a local, local missions trip. It's a, it's a camp, you know, so it's set up like a, like a summer camp, you know, whatever. And so, you know, each like location is sponsored by a church and, you know, but they have to raise all their own money and stuff like that. So like, for example, my mom is the director of our local chapter. Cool. So we do that and we have like a mentoring program every month and it's kids from different cultural backgrounds and, and ethnicities and, you know, even different cultural nuances between, within like black people and white people. Absolutely. Like, and yes. like, and I, there, we have had heard stories from, and testimonies from the kids, you know, like a few years down the line after they're a little bit older and they can kind of process things that happened a little bit more. And they'll come to us and they'll say, you know, I used to be afraid of white people or whatever, or I used to be afraid of black people. And now I'm like, it's, it, that has kind of been removed because it just, it fosters this environment of love and 
um, and just this willingness to listen. And I think that that is, I think, a great example of what you're saying, describing is just working on being missionaries to our own homes. These are kids that live like just a few houses down from the church even. Yes. Like, and it's just, and it makes a huge impact. And we, you know, we don't have to travel across the globe to, to see these things. You know, these are things that are happening in our own cities and our own nation. Yeah. A proximity is so important. Um, if, if any of us look around and we look around our friend group, our church circles, whatever, and if it is monocultural, uh, if it's monoethnic, um, we, we need to take that as a signal that at some point the potential for that being dangerous is very mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. just because you lose perspective that's right. all there's nothing wrong with your friends or your church or people <laughs> you just lose perspective that's all right. and you start to believe and this is for all people you start to believe that your experience is the only experience in the country or in the world, because it's the only thing that comes back at you. Right. Right. Like if all your friends believe the same thing politically about you, that's a dangerous situation mm-hmm. because you lose perspective. You need right. to have some friends that think <laughs> differently than you do, right? right? The world differently than you do. That's what makes life rich. Um, we don't want to just, I, I, I think I said it earlier, like we, it's not healthy at all for anybody to just be with people that are like them mm-hmm. all the time, no matter what. It's true. Um, it's very, very dangerous. We end up making decisions for other people and about other people just because we don't have the exposure. Right. So um, that's one thing I would say, particularly for your generation as well, is work hard to expose yourself to as much as possible. Um, whether that be belief systems, um, it's okay to learn about another religion. Um, it's, it's okay to learn about another experience. Don't worry. You won't like all of a sudden give up on Jesus just because right. something new. Like your brain can handle that. And right. I, I'm saying if our faith can't stand up against new information, then we got no business following it. Right. So expose yourself to as many types of different people, different come froms as possible so that when you do make your decisions about the world or how you see the world, that you have as much information as possible. Awesome. That I love it. That's so. Yeah. I I mean, you (laughs) took all the words. I was like, I could, I keep, keep going, but I'm like that really is a really awesome way of of putting it. I I am so thankful for you taking the time out of your day to answer these questions because these questions that I've had for a little bit. And I was like, this, this person knows what she's talking about. (laughs) I I, need to process with somebody, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, So yeah, thank you for answering these questions. Uh, Fantastic answers. I think that this will be a really important conversation and I can't wait to, for people to hear it and for it to get out there a little bit. Yeah, I don't have a huge audience, um, but, you know, it's getting to people regardless. Yes. And, uh, you know, who knows? It could get to a lot more people than I think, yes. you know. So, yes, I, thank you again for coming on. It's been oh, a pleasure. Cool. It's been an honor uh, having you, being able to have this conversation. So Thanks. thank you. I appreciate you. All Thanks. right. Bye-bye. Bye. And 
And so with that rather abrupt ending, uh, thank you guys for listening. It was an incredible journey going through this interview. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was probably my favorite one I've done so far. No offense to my other uh, people I've talked to, but this was really incredible. This is really incredible conversation. I think a very valuable conversation that a lot of people need to hear and a lot of people need to discuss and talk about and have conversations uh, about. Um, like she was saying, just get a lot of perspective from people. Get as many perspectives as you can because, you know, no one person can see everything. Um, so, yeah, get as many perspectives as you, as you can. Uh, listen to other podcasts, um, maybe talking about the same thing or other people. Uh, I think that, like she was saying, it's it's incredibly important to gain greater perspective and understand, you know, listen and understand and believe people. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was an incredible conversation. Definitely share it with people, share it around, uh, give it five stars, you know, on, on Apple Podcasts, because that's how people find this podcast, is if you review it. You don't even have to write, like, a lengthy essay review. You just have to give it five stars, and then that's it. It's super easy. A couple taps on the app. Um, y'all know how to use apps. It's pretty simple. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening again. Uh, you can check her out at NikkiLearner.com. That is N-I-K-K-I-L-E-R-N-E-R.com. That is N-I-K-K-I-L-E-R-N-E-R um, dot com. And then it's the same thing slash podcasts or podcast to get to her podcasts and uh, all of her information and stuff is on there. It's great. Uh, check her out. And uh, yeah, share this with your friends and your family and the people who you, who you might, you know, want to talk to the talk to them about this. You know, if you want to have a discussion about this with someone, share this podcast with other people. So yeah. Thanks again for listening. Again, I'm still figuring out all this tech stuff and figuring out how to record a podcast. So go easy on me every every episode. I almost said every week, but I'm not doing an episode every week. Every episode's probably going to get a little bit better every time. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you in the next one.